So I was watching um, a whole great weekend of sports. It really was just start to finish. Because Friday night started with, and I was on pain medication the whole time. Um, and I slept almost all Friday. I stayed up and then stayed up like through Friday night um, until the end of Pac-12 after dark. So I had a whole day on Saturday that I slept and uh, watched a whole NFL Sunday. It's uh, been really a mess with the drugs. But Friday night feels like forever ago now. Um, <laughs> right. Dale Earnhardt Jr. freaking racing at Bristol in the night race in the Xfinity series, leading laps, um, could have won the race if he hadn't had his, a fire in his car that resulted in like his uniform burning and like him getting out of the infield care center after the race um, to hear uh, the, the reporter tell him you smell terrible right now, um, which is just, just delightful. Um, and then seeing a, a clip from him, like still in that Hellman's racing gear, uh, telling a story about how his dad never really told him about how to race any tracks. Uh, but when they got to Bristol, uh, his first time there, he was like, lift here. And Dale's like, Dale Jr. is like, I can't believe that's the way to do it. But it, it worked. And like, I never stopped being amazed by Jr.'s ability to do all that he does, including get into a, a race car at basically our age, um, after having had years off because of his own, yeah. you know, health issues, let alone to do it in the first place. My uh, back hurts if I sleep funny. Yeah. And and this dude is just like throwing himself around at absurd speeds and like ridiculous chief horses and stuff all the time. Like that alone, the fact that he survives it alone is like impressive. So yeah, that's, that's incredible. And like him doing the commentating job, like I think we talked about it on here, like the crash at Daytona that looked so much like his dad's crash and he's just, carrying on and, and doing a job in a total pro and it's um it's frustrating because he's like the really good race car driver like one of the best race car drivers that, you know i've seen um and son and take of my racing hero idol um so my things threes up um and then he's like a freaking better storyteller than I am too. Like he's better at me at my own job. Like that is <laughs> right. That seems unfair somehow. That's messed up, man. Like that's just that's just rude to me personally. Um, but I enjoy it nevertheless. And, and watching watching so much cars going around things this weekend um, in addition to college football. And this is our show to talk more about college football. So I will say that that is the sound. Oh, that was good. Of an Arnold Palmer half and half. That didn't sound um, real. It, it was real. <laughs> I forget. Do, do y'all get the golden bear Arizona out there? Yes. Or are we only yes, we okay. Oh, I wasn't sure uh, that was uh, a Pac-12 territory only. 
Oh yeah, you were check right. the files. <laughs> uh, check the notes. Uh, Arnold Palmer will be maybe our only mention of backyard brawl, and that's probably how it is uh, best left because that game. Was, uh, <laughs> everything that you wanted it to be, and uh, everything that you want it to be, is also to then go bury it in the backyard and never ever talk about it again. Pretty much. Uh, what we do have to talk about. Um, Western Michigan University gave up uh, 41 points to the Iowa Hawkeyes, which puts Brian Ferentz... Damn it, Western Michigan! Damn it, Western Michigan! They are now 10 points over uh, the aggregate that they need. I don't think that's enough because they only have conference games left. Um, I was was just really hoping they were going to run the table on that, though. Yeah, uh, they did get over 25 at least the one time. They might not again. You're right. That might be uh, the only time. So, Western Michigan. September 27th, 1986. At 1 p.m. in East Lansing, Western Michigan kicks off against Michigan State. An hour later, at Kinnick Stadium, Iowa kicked off against UTEP. Within that hour... Between the Western Michigan, Michigan State, and the UTEP Iowa kickoffs, the world forever changed. And that was because in Cleveland, Ohio, at what Wikipedia calls around 1.50 p.m. Eastern Time in the public square, 41 degrees, 29 minutes, and 59 seconds north, 81 degrees, 41 minutes, and 38 seconds west, organized by the United Way of Cleveland, was Balloon Fest 86. The outcome? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I'm scared. The outcome of Balloon Fest 86, world record for simultaneous release of balloons. Deaths, two, indirectly. (laughs) Which seems like more than would probably be ideal. Mm-hmm. I, I, we can debate whether, uh, and we'll get to that. Non, non-fatal injuries, multiple horses. Property damage. Multiple traffic collisions. Litigation. Two lawsuits. The event took place on September 27th, 1986, and was intended to be a harmless, that's a word, intended to be harmless, fundraising publicity stunt. However, the release balloons drifted back over the city in Lake Erie and landed in the surrounding area, causing problems for traffic in a nearby airport. Uh, in consequence, the organizers in the city faced lawsuits seeking millions of dollars, and cost overruns put the event at a net loss. Preparations. The stunt was coordinated by a Los Angeles-based company headed by Treb Heining. Balloon art by Treb. <laughs> it's like a simple name. Months for <laughs> hold on, hold on. Balloon art, like making balloon dachshunds at a carnival kind of balloon art? or Balloon art by Treb does not have its own Wikipedia article, so I cannot say for sure. <clears throat> 
A rectangular structure the size of a city block was set up to hold the balloons on the southwest quadrant of Cleveland's public square. It was three stories high, measured 250 feet by 150 feet, with a one-piece net of woven mesh material. Inside, 2,500 volunteers, consisting largely of high school students, spent many hours filling the balloons with helium. One described the preparations as like an assembly line, nonstop. Volunteers received free t-shirts. Sounds good so far. <laughs> United Way originally planned to release 2 million balloons, but eventually stopped at over 1.4 million. Children sold sponsorships to benefit United Way at a price of a dollar for every two balloons. Launch. On Saturday, September 27th, 1986, with a rainstorm approaching, organizers decided on an early release of the balloons at about 1.50 p.m. A crowd of over 100,000 gathered in downtown Cleveland for the event. Close to 1.5 million balloons rose up from Public Square, surrounding Terminal Tower, and surpassing a world record set the previous year on the 30th anniversary of Disneyland. So Cleveland defeats Disney. Congratulations to them. They're in the world record. <laughs> Consequences. Typically, you know it's good when there is a consequences section of your Wikipedia page. <laughs> that that's right up there with like uh, legal problems or like scandals, <laughs> where you're like, "Oh, this is gonna get good." Yep, and this is indeed where it gets good. Typically, a helium-filled latex balloon that is released outdoors will stay adrift aloft long enough to be almost fully deflated before it descends to Earth. However, the balloon fest balloons collided with a front of cool air and rain, which caused them to drop towards the ground while still inflated. The descending balloons clogged the land and waterways of Northeast Ohio. In the days following the event, many balloons were reported washing ashore on the Canadian side of Lake Erie, causing water pollution. Well, that, that is water pollution. You've Right. I don't know. The, I don't know the cause is really the word you want there. Balloons. Uh, some people had misconceptions about the environmental impact of balloon releases. Some thinking that quote the balloons would reach an altitude where they popped and disintegrated. That quote is from. Uh, That's some very questionable physics. Story. Um, <clears throat> Burke Lakefront Airport had to be shut down for, had to shut down a runway for half an hour after balloons landed there. <laughs> Traffic collisions were also reported as drivers swerved to avoid slow motion blizzards of multicolored orbs or took their eyes off the road to gawk at the overhead spectacle. Motorists on the Cleveland Memorial Shoreway ran into fences and each other before the roadway was shut down. <laughs> A bulldozer was needed to help clear away the balloons. Now, here's here's the debate. That is part. so many balloons. <laughs> Thanks, Treb. <laughs> For your art. Two fishermen, this is the, the Raymond Broderick and Bernard Solzer, who had gone out on September 26th, were reported missing by their families on the day of the event. Rescues spotted their 16-foot boat anchored west of the Edgewater Park break wall. Coast Guard search and rescue helicopter crew 
had difficulties reaching the area because of the, quote, asteroid field of balloons. Search and rescue boat crew tried to spot the fishermen floating in the lake, but guard officials said balloons in the water made it impossible to see whether anyone was in the lake. On oh September 29th, the Coast Guard suspended its search. The fisherman's body subsequently washed ashore. The wife of one of the fishermen sued the United Way of Cleveland and the company that organized the balloon release for $3.2 million and later settled on undisclosed terms. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I feel like... I mean, yeah, good good for her to get a settlement on, you know, what is absolutely horrible. Um, is it really reasonable to expect that if these guys, if, if there hadn't been a balloon launch, that these guys would have survived overnight in Lake Erie and been found? I mean, eh, probably not. Lake Erie is notoriously uh rough yeah. that way I, it's but, like an ocean but it's a, i mean it certainly didn't ocean. make it any yeah yeah certainly didn't make it any easier yeah uh so i i, I feel like it's a tragic story in that way but only sort of because if you presume that these guys were were drowned um, regardless of balloon incident um, poor poor uh, poor wife of one of the fishermen uh, doesn't doesn't get any kind of settlement money she just has to you know have had a true lost at lake husband um now the animals balloons <laughs> landing on a pasture in medina county ohio spooked louise noako <clears throat> no louise noakowski's arabian horses which allegedly suffered permanent injuries as a result noakowski sued the united way of cleveland for a hundred thousand dollars in damages and settled for undisclosed terms fundraiser lost money due to these cost overruns okay I, but i i have to ask now as a horse person mm -hmm. if where was this animal that getting spooked by balloons caused it to manage to seriously injure itself like would... not that it's impossible but like most of the time if an animal gets if most of the time if a horse gets hurt because it's spooked it's because it's like out on a trail and so then it like stumbles or whatever because it's uneven ground or it trips over something or runs into something or whatever but if your horse is like in your pasture it should theoretically be pretty difficult for your horse to spook and injure themselves that significantly Unless your horse is just ill-trained as shit. Like, I, I realize Arabians here. are f flighty. So, like, if any animal, if any horse is going to do it, it's probably going to be an Arab. But I just, Medina I need more County. information. Well, the, the other information that I have here is that Medina County is uh, not on the lake. So, it, it these are balloons that came in.
a county's worth um, before spooking these horses, which at some point, horses got to see that coming, I think. <laughs> like, right, right. How, I mean, how again, like, can you be by these slowly approaching balloons, horse? Right. And if you, and again, if your horse is that skittish, then you need to be very careful about the space they're in and stuff because you know that they're going to spook easily and it could be, you know, yeah, a garbage bag that gets blown into your pasture or whatever. So like again, I just I I I just I need so much more information about what the scenario actually was because I'm just having a very hard time envisioning it. Louise got that bag. Legacy. Yeah, I mean, look, respect. Yeah. Uh, legacy is that uh, I, Jesse from the internet, and now discussing this with Keelan from the internet and Britt from the internet, who I don't think I introduced as being from the internet when I popped open the Arizona, did I? That's all right. Yeah, they know who we are at this point. Yeah. Great. The 1988 edition of the Guinness Book of World Records recognizes the event as a world record largest ever mass balloon release, with 1,429,643 balloons launched. Guinness no longer measures balloon releases. <laughs> Guinness was like, fuck it, we're getting out of this business. We can't be responsible for this. Balloon Fest 86 was the subject of the 2018 short documentary film, Balloon Fest. The editor of the Cleveland newspaper, The Plain Dealer, notes that after its release, reporting on Balloon Fest became more negative. The end. <laughs> More? Wait, 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 wait. More negative? Was it not negative prior to the documentary? I don't know. People How just like, well, you know. People just like, well, you know, some people died and there were some car accidents and it's some environmental destruction probably from the latex, but you know, it was fun. Like... Those balloons were so pretty. Right. So that is uh, that is the story of Balloon Fest. And as all of that was unfolding on that September afternoon, um, Michigan State was taking care of business against Western Michigan. Uh, 45 to 10 at uh, Michigan State handled that one while uh, out there in Iowa the Hawkeyes uh, also handled UTEP 69 to 7 that's right wow. the Iowa Hawkeyes put 69 points on the board nice. things were going great Indeed. that's were that's so, so nice. hard hard to fathom I I can't even make a nice joke well you know that was the team of uh, Hayden Fry uh, Offensive coordinator Bill Snyder before beginning his legacy at uh, Kansas State and uh, a young O line young O line coach with a three year old bouncing baby boy at home Kirk Ferentz. No, no. Can we blame Kirk Ferentz on the balloons? No. However. Okay. 
that's the thing. He was accounted for that day. He was uh, <laughs> at Kinnick Stadium with the future oh, yeah. Holiday Bowl champion Hawkeyes. Oh, However, uh, perhaps being infatuated with coverage of the balloon shenanigans of the Midwest, uh, perhaps Kirk took his eye off the ball. <laughs> because uh, the following week, uh, number 17, Michigan State, uh, the Hawkeyes still won, but a mere 24 points. The rest of the season, uh, they, they then, you know, they suffered. They only beat uh, Wisconsin 17 to 6, 20 to 17. No, that's an Iowa score. <laughs> yep. Uh, they beat Northwestern 27 20, lost 31 10 to Ohio State, 20 to 16, they lost to Illinois. And they got 42 against Purdue and kind of got things back rolling. But was Balloon Fest the moment that it started to go awry for Kirk? And was it also a kind of memory and seeing Michigan State, Western Michigan once again uh, in the news and Iowa that um, Michigan State defensive coordinator at that time, one Nick Saban, also oh, having no. trouble this weekend with changing weather patterns. <laughs> One week after Balloon Fest, both Nick Saban that... and Kirk Ferentz were in the same place. They had to spend Balloon Fest aftermath week preparing for one another. <laughs> wow. And now look at them. And now look at them. Alabama <laughs> oh, oh, sucks. Yeah. The Nick Dynasty is ending. And that was a long yeah, way to get uh, to Alabama sucks, but Alabama sucks. Uh, Alabama does. Yeah. And it's just... It's one of those things where I feel like we've been saying, oh, it's going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. eventually. It's got to happen eventually. They can't keep getting away with this for like years, but it's still strangely disorienting when it actually happens. Yeah. Well, it felt yeah. like it was going to then... be forever. I think that's the thing. It's just like we got so used to well, Alabama's going to win every year, pretty much. Right. I am excited it for did. a Nick Saban commentating career, though. Hopefully. Oh, yeah. That is that is the perfect uh, next chapter, because he will... I just... I want to put him and Urban Mayer in a room and then just <laughs> lock it and walk away and periodically watch, like, the CCTV footage. Like, I don't really want to watch it on TV, like, all the time. I just want to be able to, like, peek in on it. Like, going to the, like, turning on, like, the tiger cam from the zoo or whatever. <laughs> They've got a Twitter feed that gives you, like, you know, here's your saving of the day. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Both of his hands, like, lunging at Urban's neck. <laughs> right. 
They're both just gone. There's just blood on the floor and on the <laughs> nobody parts. Nobody it. quite knows what happened. Yeah, nobody parts. <laughs> they were just gone. Lots of evidence, but no remnants. They're like, I'm not sure what just happened. Saban is in there, and he's uh, just somehow built himself an entire box fort out of Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie boxes. <laughs> nobody knows growling. how they how they got in there. <laughs> Uh, he's just able to fabricate them he called it Alabama Bagman to get them dropped off yeah I need them get them here now you're right yeah that the the oatmeal cream pie thing is really the most relatable thing about him okay but did you see the raisin cream pies that they apparently are making I'm not I'm not acknowledging <laughs> they I, no. they just they feel a little bit like a hate crime in a way that I can't quite articulate but there well, there's raisins. an aggression to their existence <laughs> the raisins well yeah I mean the raisins and I say this is someone who likes raisins, but that is just not where raisins I, should be. Like, know, that's just not. I'm glad to hear that. I like raisins too. And yeah, it's like, why? No, like in a normal oh, raisins in a normal oatmeal cookie, I'm totally fine with. I'm not an anti raisin person broadly. But yeah, in, in the context of a little Debbie oatmeal pie, just no, no one needs to bring raisins into this. I, yeah, I, I gotta say, I, it's it's I, how I was I raised. I do think it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> and we have, we have strong mean, beliefs in this household. Sent to school with a box of raisins every day. Uh, that that'll make a kid grow up to really hate raisins. That's fair. I also got sent to school with a box of raisins a lot, and it didn't didn't really do anything mm. to me in terms okay. of my preference for raisins. I do wonder though, like. This is my question with much produce, really. Um, is this a result of growing up in California? Like, are the raisins better here because they're from here? One of my college roommates' family were raisin farmers. I believe that. I believe that because so, it's like bananas. I believe that your raisins yeah. talked. You, you guys have raisins that are uh, claymation and extremely large. And they scared That's me. True. That's true. That's true. We do. I've got, I loved those commercials as a kid. There were like, there were, I want to say they, there were like Happy Meal toys of them at one point that I definitely had. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I have kids, so I, I don't know how I will explain to them when it inevitably comes up that there were pop culture raisin characters like legitimately breakout stars from a commercial uh-huh. who became like a thing. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a very specific cultural moment that in, in the what 30, 40 years since it's uh, a little hard to explain. Yeah. Like the seven up spot had a video game. The Seven Up Spot did have a video game. There were um, McDonald's Happy Meal toys that were just McDonald's food like characters. 
That almost makes sense. Yeah, they had the ones like that were kind of like transformers, but it would just be a yeah. hamburger box. And it would yeah, be, it was just like have legs. And I don't. Yeah, I don't remember if it was it. I don't think it was actually supposed to be a transformers like tie-in, but I can only assume that that was like it, the marketing department's logic of like, oh, well, kids like these things where the cars turn into other things. Yeah. Yeah. Kids do, and I did turn into other things. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I definitely had those Happy Meal toys, and I definitely did play with them. So, like, somebody was right. Yeah. Um. Wonder if Brian Ferentz got any of those <laughs> Happy Meal toys around uh... those, those same times. Driving around, hearing his dad say, complaining about how you shouldn't launch things up into the air. Only bad things happen. <laughs> just look what happened with those balloons in Cleveland. <laughs> I just want a small size. Oh, oh God. <sighs> Meanwhile, uh, Nick Saban did eventually return to Cleveland as uh, with the Browns, where he was on Bill Belichick's staff, and that led me to the thing that I, I want to talk about, and I don't know if we have necessarily the time to go into a full um, discussion of this, and, and maybe we need more expertise than we have here, and I speak only for myself in that, because I don't know you guys' level of expertise with um, the Greek and Roman gods. Um, yeah, again, some some so-sos and, and waves here. Um, <laughs> so we, we will save this for when Lily rejoins us from the internet. Uh, but this, the, the idea that I had, and I think something that you can look forward to and maybe we can throw out to the audience, uh, to connect with us at lilitspen.substack.com or on the discord or, uh, any of the various ways that we tweet or blue skirt thread or, oh, dude, we, we're, we're all on the internet. Find us. We'll chat about it. I'll chat about it. Um, the idea of, uh, Nick Saban as Cronus, um, Zeus's father, who uh, would eat his children until uh, Zeus uh, was able to, you know, get a rock fed to him to protect himself and uh, you know free the rest of the uh, free the rest of the Olympian gods, which would place uh, Bill Belichick as Cronus's father, the overthrown Titan uh, Uranus. Um, and I think pretty well establish uh, Kirby Smart as the Zeus figure, wow. having been the one to take down oh, his, course, his daddy. Funny. Yeah, and, and yeah, powerful. Um, and then the idea is who on Nick's coaching tree uh, represents each of then the twelve olympian gods and uh so we, we've got zeus is kirby um hera zeus's wife and sister uh queen of the gods and goddess of marriage women childbirth and family the youngest daughter of cronus and rhea sister and wife of zeus uh, being the goddess of marriage she frequently tried to get revenge on zeus's lovers and their children her symbols include the peacock the cuckoo and the cow so um I don't know who that would be, and I think that we, you know, we need to, we need to spend some time thinking about this. But you've also got Poseidon, the god of the sea, uh, Demeter, goddess of the harvest, 
uh, Apollo, the god of light, prophecy, philosophy, archery, truth, inspiration, poetry, music, arts, manly beauty, medicine, healing, and plague. Um, <laughs> medicine, healing, and plagues. It's lame. Yep. Calling it now lame. Well, <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jesse. Man, I, that, quick. Lane does have a lot of Apollo about him. It's uh, it's sure. I guess that the question then is whether you consider Lane to be that or Dionysus, the god of wine, the grapevine, fertility, festivity, ecstasy, madness, and resurrection. All right, you make a fine point. <laughs> okay, but okay, yeah. Oh. See, this is what I want to bring in, like, Who's Steve not Sarkeesian? explicitly. <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> yes, yes, I love Stark. I was going to say, I really want to be able to say, put Coach O there. Because, like, spiritually, we know that's the correct answer. Doesn't, doesn't fit the specific schema, but. Yeah, it's tough. I know I'm tempted to do the same thing where I'm like, oh, there's other people. <laughs> we got yeah. Jimbo Fisher. Oh, oh Will Muschamp. Wow. Forgot about that. Yeah. Guy. So so you yeah. got Hermes, the messenger of the gods, uh, Aphrodite, the goddess of, well, Aphrodite is uh, the goddess of love, pleasure, passion, procreation, fertility, beauty, and desire. Uh, the daughter of Zeus and the Oceanid or Titanus Dion, or perhaps born from the sea foam after Uranus's blood dripped into the sea after being castrated by his youngest son Cronus, who then threw his father's genitals into the sea. Oh God, that there. He's married. Wow. There's a yeah. lot going on there. No, the Greek gods are fun. Uh, get get the Delares out. It's it's a good time. Um, her husband is Hephaestus, uh, the also known as Vulcan in the Romans, uh, master blacksmith and craftsman of the gods, god of the forge, craftsmanship, invention, fire, and volcanoes. So we can we can think about these and i think that this is uh this is up lily's alley uh so when she returns uh we will talk about that but i did want to bring it up because this week uh keelan lane's on your bingo card so you've you've already been following the trials and tribulations of all miss uh, i'm always following um, it. it's just captivating i my feed now shows me things he like likes and replies to and it's like, <laughs> like, how do you have time to do this? Right. What are you doing? Good for you, I guess. I don't know. It's very It's odd. like the people who, who have post-game, like, Instagram posts, like, three and a half minutes after the game's over. I'm like, aren't you still, like, in the shower or something? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, are you just sitting at your locker still in your uniform tweeting? <laughs> yeah, I'm like. Oh, yeah. Ugh. That's, you got to post. I, I mean, I respect the commitment. I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm not going to lie. I mean, if you can't tell, it's just fascinating. Fascinating Did, guy. 
did we get any uh, clarity or resolution on Lane's tweet of uh, five daughters? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think we did. I don't think we did. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's call up the old Lane Kiffin account on on Twitter. Make sure that he that he ain't blocked us yet. Uh, <laughs> crazy too. He has six hundred. He doesn't have time to block. He Too busy six, posting. Yeah, he has six hundred thirty-three thousand followers, which blows my mind a little bit. That's wild. And a lot of it is like Taylor Swift posting. He, yeah, his most recent tweet uh, is a retweet of a Taylor Swift concert. Oh. Then a retweet of the Ole Miss football account. Oh, the next one is then good. The flowers. A picture that he. <laughs> has just posted of a fortune cookie fortune in flowers <laughs> the fortune reads don't be pushed by your problems be led by your dreams <laughs> oh that that's that's some real coach speak that's good that's it, that's really good it's the cover of something that says handbook of but then what it whatever it is is uh and and lane has posted that with the thinky face emoji scratching the chin. <laughs> Another old Miss football. A uh, Nick Sa- a Paul Feinbaum, Nick Saban press conference retweet. Perfect. It's just fascinating. Uh, Honestly, uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta was spectacular did, television. Did he delete the daughter tweet? I haven't seen. I can't find it. I think oh. I'm trying to see if he's just made so many things. So many posts after that because I mean he's quite, that, quite there's busy. a picture. He, he is he is he is quite the poster. He is. I see. See you back here in a week. I think it's still up. I think it's just way down there. Maybe. Hashtag sibling love. I would not use that. That's okay, <laughs> Lane. Oh no! It's it's a picture of. <sighs> I think his two children but i don't uh, know yes um, interesting uh yeah knox kiffin leading the extinguisher dance off uh, a bunch of he's got a, a the gratitude journal in his lap here yeah what is this? um his there's juice with a football nice, three and up. oh yeah all right here is, we there go there it is Lane, we had to go all the way back to one day ago. Wow. It took that long scrolling Lane's tweets to find uh, 3-0 LFG. Rebs win with the family. Ole Miss FB. Five daughters staying until the end. Until the end. <laughs> I-N. Two exclamation points. Great atmosphere. And then it is uh, Lane with uh, five young ladies. I think I think the one in the in the dots, the the dotted jumper, is his daughter, perhaps. I can't, and that's what that's, he means. That's the thing I can't tell because who she was in the sibling love picture, but then who is the person in the denim dress? Because she's in another picture from September seventeenth. So maybe I think he has two daughters. To be fair, I don't know. Even though it says five here, who really knows at this point? I mean, does does he just refer to ladies in general as daughters? <laughs> like, 
which honestly would be an upgrade because he strikes me as the type of dude who previous like in in his lifetime has been like uh yeah the females I, I i enjoy spending time with the females like one of those dudes where that yeah. is always yeah. just um a big red flag um yeah and i i get a sense lane that... of course I get it hasn't stopped being full of red flags. I think his daughter <laughs> runs this account at least part time. One of them, if not however many there are. There are two, I confirmed. Okay. I think yeah. one of them, because there's pictures sometimes, it's like he didn't take that picture. He's talking like he did. Right. He's talking. Right. That came off somebody else's phone. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can put together. I would really. I would love to know how many people are involved in the Lane Kiffin tweet experience. Cause like there's a variable cause he's getting some of those off on his own. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he is. He's definitely not entirely outsourced this process. Yeah. So I, I want to like, where's, where's the coordination? Like make sure that like, you know, Lane's not posting uh, the gratitude journal at the same time that <laughs> the Lane that Lane's daughter is posting. <laughs> Come to the set or, or whatever it is. Like it's, right. it's all very bizarre. And what I really hope for this week, more than anything else, is that um, during that Nick Saban time when he's uh like last week he had peewee the caller that he talked to and immediately turned things on it was a brilliant moment um i want somebody to get into question to nick about lane's twitter account but like <laughs> i don't know how you'd be able to present that in a way that um that Saban can't just brush it off as I have never seen that. Right. Right. It requires a very specific framing to like get a for real answer out of him. Yeah. I would love to know. I, yeah. Oh, there's so many things about this that are just, just a delight. Um, and including the fact that Ole Miss might legitimately be better than Alabama. <laughs> Which, that's not a sentence I expected to hear anytime soon. No! Meanwhile, uh, also, just to put this out there, is Tennessee terrible? I, I, I feel like they might be, which is not what I was expecting, but it's not, it's not mean, good so far. I don't think Florida is good, and I don't think you disagree with that. No, no. Florida is very mid. Um, and that pretty mid team had a pretty easy time with Tennessee. Well, and uh, and the thing that made me think like, oh, no, they really are like bad, bad potentially. It's just the way Josh Hoipel managed the very end of that game. Like... Like, like that was, that was the, that was the game management of a man 
watching his job go away. Like that, that was that, that desperate gasp of like, if I seem angry enough and piss enough people off, will the, will the AD and the rest of the people who write my, who sign my paycheck, uh, be convinced that I like care enough or whatever, and that it's not my fault. So I shouldn't be the one who gets fired. Because at the end of the day, he uh, allowed a late hit on an obviously injured quarterback when he insisted that they run another one, run one more play, and then got four people suspended when a fight inevitably happened. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, the, it was the wild. Was <laughs> like I'm sorry, Graham Mertz has got is is cut to shit on both hands. He hasn't thrown up like a legit pass in like basically the entire second half of the game. You're not winning yeah. this game. You're not covering a spread or anything out of this game. So there's no reason for all of this. It's hard, hard to cover when you're losing. It, right. That's well, that's what I mean. Like <laughs> But it's look, but it's not even like Sean McVay being like, yeah, well, uh, we'll kick the field goal and we should really be going to it, going for a touchdown. It's like, yeah, okay, I see you, Sean. I see you. Yeah. I mean, sad, they're, they're also, you know, sad field goals are their own thing. But um, whatever Josh Heupel's game management was at the end, um, and, and I disengaged from it at that point to, you know, Turn back when I heard there were punches being thrown, but um, yeah, <laughs> the I I don't think that there's really much of a of a question of who had the worst end of game management. Um, well, actually, that's not true. There's there's two possibilities for worse, and one of them won the game, uh, which, <laughs> which was Mizzou getting uh, the all the way down God. for the game winning fifty six yard <laughs> field goal. Just. Not putting anybody on the field for said field goal, taking a delay of game, and then dude freaking launched one. Like the poor Kansas State guy who was back to try to kick six it, just watching it. Like that was the saddest thing. Like he's just, no way. Right. You could, you could see him saying no way as the thing easily clears the crossbar from 61. What the hell? Right. Um. So yeah, that game was awesome though. The the Kansas State game, and I, I, I texted you guys early in the game that gee, they are actually really fun, and they sure are. And yeah. I'm sad to see them drop out of the rankings because of that. Because um, they're two and one, Alabama's two and one, um, but. Mizzou, uh, I mean, uh, Kansas State, um, had a tough loss at the buzzer on the road. They didn't get their asses handed to them on national television. Right. That's what I saw Alabama do. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think uh, Kansas State should still be ranked and uh, Alabama should be out of the poll. Well, and Kansas State is still pretty high on the like also receiving votes list so i don't it, it wouldn't take a lot for them to get back in i also enjoy that um to, to show exactly how much polls mattered and 
especially at this point in the season. Um, Florida is still ranked behind Tennessee. In fairness, Florida was not ranked a week ago. So, like, it's progress, at least. (laughs) Florida now ranked, but, oh, boy. Um, Yeah, Yeah. and, and, like, I think that 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 is what brings me to the the question of this week um, with with Lane going to Alabama. Um, Which outcome is funnier? Ole Miss winning that game and just total chaos in the West or Alabama winning that game and haha Lane had his thought he had his best shot two years ago or was it two years ago mm-hmm. like how many best shots is Lane gonna get and now especially now when like man even even South Florida scored on Saban because I know they didn't win the game on the scoreboard but South Florida won that game um right right I mean realistically what's funnier oh god I mean, I'm definitely Lane winning is funnier. <laughs> I agree. It's always I... funny when he does, right? Especially with Saban, because I just think about when he like <laughs> left him off, he just like left without him. So I don't Here, know. Actually, so it'd be funny either way. Okay, sorry, Britt. <laughs> could be funny either way. I th- I think the tweets will be better if Lane wins, though. Yeah, like spectacular content potentially. I'll be curious to see what Saban would say, if anything, in his pressers. Yeah, I mean, this is really like not uncharted, uncharted territory for him, but pretty close. Yeah, I think if if you're late, if you're if you're Nick Saban and you lose that game to, to Lane and you're now two and two and you clearly have three quarterbacks and you have zero. Um, <laughs> do you even bother uh, with the presser? Do you just, just in full polo and pants right out to the parking lot and, uh, and head to the fishing cabin? Yeah, no, I think you just <laughs> hit the bricks as they say, like just, I'm not, I'm not dealing with listening to this asshole. Nope. <laughs> right. Not even, not even going to go there. Oh God. But that, I mean, like the, the ultimate thing. And, and the other thing that, that makes the, the Greek mythology question interesting is that the Zeus being Kirby is really like, yeah, Kirby's kind of the one running the all-powerful king of the world thing now. Not that Georgia played an almighty first half against South Carolina either. Um, I did not expect it to be turning that game on television, and I turned it on right in time to see Georgia score a bunch of touchdowns. Um, they're going to be somebody at Alabama at some point. And I don't think it's going to be anybody who's on the current Alabama staff that takes over for Nick Saban when he's done. <laughs> because, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a good point. 
everyone who goes down with that ship is going to burn. Oh, oh yeah, that's that's going to be a like full on clear clear out the house, like rip it down to the studs, kind of retooling when it finally happens. This is why you need somebody who can work the transfer portal, the transfer portal, like Lane Kiffin. Whoever wins oh, the Bobby Petrino, what? Bobby Petrino, uh, Jimbo Fisher, uh, ego off and A and M. God, yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time. And, the, and then my favorite thing though is that you've got all of these people, all of these people, both like legitimate pundits as much as any pundit is legitimate and like message board dweebs um talking about all of these just truly horrifying horrifying coaching replacements because they're bad at the first you know couple weeks of the season meanwhile jeff tedford (laughs) is in fresno and is like fuck you guys i left i'm never leaving again eat shit I'm just going to stay here and win the conference and be left alone. Eat eat great Mexican food a block from the stadium. I mean, that's so and good. develop these weird undersized mutant quarterbacks who just play like they're in a sack of badgers. Like, it's the best game. He left and was like, no, 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 this was, I was wrong. This was a terrible idea. I was like, go fuck home. this shit. I'm going back to the valley. Tired of you people. Fresno, uh, twenty nine nothing winners this weekend, which um, unfortunately missed an extra point. <laughs> I say that point. that missed PAT came back to haunt me, but uh, Britt, you would have had Brian Ferentz bingo. Uh, Lily has already hit Brian Ferentz bingo, but let's uh, let's just quickly go through uh, where the three of us stand at this point. Lilius started a new card and she's already uh, got she got on the uh the west virginia 17 pittsburgh six she got the 17 there for for west virginia just crushing uh, it northern illinois nebraska 35 northern illinois 11 also got her one um which it uh you know, did you score off of that game let's see i don't remember yeah you did you had the 35 and the 11 um <laughs> Keelan, you have uh, gotten very close here to uh, to bingo on your top row with just Kentucky. So if there's a Kentucky score that is 57 to 21, uh, you will complete an all Wildcat row. And they are playing Vandy this week. Oh, I feel like you should get bonus points for that. I feel like. Yeah. Like if you managed to fill it, if you managed to fill an entire row with one team, that there's there's got to be some go. sort of incentive right. there. You're right. Um, yeah, Britt, you just need the 30 at this point. That'll, that'll give you bingo. You, you've also got, you've got three TCUs, two Fresno States, two Air Forces, an App State, and a Washington on your board. You're, you're doing great. Um, I'm doing, I've got a bunch covered. I've got two Oregon States, two Ohio States, two Cals, a K-State, and a Florida State. Um. So of of the games that we have coming up this weekend for 
the three of us. Uh, Brett, I will start with you since I'm looking at your card now. Uh, you've got Air Force at San Jose State on Friday night. TCU against SMU, mm-hmm. App State at Wyoming, Washington versus Cal, and Fresno State versus Kent mm-hmm. State. Uh, which of those are you most uh, most piqued by? Um, well, I think TCU-SMU is going to be funny. Cool. Maybe, maybe not in the way they would intend, but I think it'll be entertaining. I am, I am perversely curious to see just how badly Washington can beat Cal because it's going to be, it's, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. So it does Cal... become a question of like, how many points can they score? Which is always fun. Again, it's it's that small sample size time of year where we only have they've played two other people. Um, but Cal playing as they did, and I will admit I watched zero downs of it, but um, they were in deep doo doo with Iowa for with uh, not Iowa uh, Idaho for a lot of that a lot of the night. Um, I yeah, hope it was that not was pretty. Not available on widely available on television. Um, I assume it wasn't just for humanitarian reasons. Um, <laughs> right. Well, he makes you think less of Auburn and their three and O start that includes that 14 to 10 tape burner against Cal. Yeah. I feel like Auburn should be two and O and, and th- that game was just a Cal loss. <laughs> right. Right. And it, occasionally you do just get, I kind of want to have that option sometimes, or it's just like, no one deserves to win this game. Oh. No one is winning. You're just losing it more or less. Um, speaking of that, uh, in addition to that Kentucky Vandy game, Keelan, you've got Auburn A&M, uh, Ole Miss Alabama, which we talked about at length, uh, Houston, Sam Houston, and Nebraska, Louisiana Tech. I, I'm going to honestly say that I'm fascinated and will turn on, at least if it's on TV, some of Houston versus Sam Houston, um, just to just for the hear name. how the commentators deal with that. Yeah. I was just going to say, I feel for the broadcasters, because that's, that's just awful. Yeah. Why are they going to do that? Maybe um, they'll abbreviate one. We'll see. Tune in. Tune in, folks. Just start calling Sam Houston Sam. (laughs) Samuel. (laughs) Yes. Good idea. I went to school there. That's what I do all the time. Where do you go to school? Sam. 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 It's good. What's that? I haven't heard of it. You haven't heard of Sam? Jeez. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Okay, but speaking of, uh, you haven't heard of it, what are you going to call it? I just need to point out that Cal is apparently floating the idea, at least, of letting their, like, athletic, like, branding be Cal Berkeley. And no, I just want to be on the record that absolutely not. (laughs) We have not spent, as a region... 
decades telling people to not fucking call it that for the damn school itself to be like, no, but maybe no, no, fuck you. No, we are not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not. The fact that people, when they did a like market research or whatever, people didn't know that Berkeley and Cal were the same place. That's a you problem. And that's because the athletic department and the university don't really like each other or talk to each other or want to be associated with each other. And so like, that's fine, right? We, what If you're a sports person, what's the appeal of knowing that it's Berkeley? Great, they've got a bunch of Nobel prizes and a particle accelerator and whatever else, nobody cares. That's not why you're there for the football game. Just stop it, just stop. Like, are you trying to impress Duke? Because Stanford is going to this conference too. <laughs> right, right. Right. Like you're already, you're, you're already not the prettiest girl at this party. So I, I need you to at least maintain your self-respect. Like, don't make this worse. This is already a little embarrassing for you. You're already feeling a little desperate that that's like a bridge too far. Here, meet, meet Wake Forest. They're very nice. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Wake Forest, otherwise nope. known as Lily Pulitzer, had a cocaine problem. I mean, it's an interesting concept. It's, Wake Forest is just an interesting, interesting place. But also, like Cal, um, people are confused because Wake Forest, North Carolina is a place, and Wake Forest, North Carolina is not where Wake Forest University is because it's in Winston-Salem. Technically, yes. Like, it's not going to be a perfect marriage, um, you know, because Cal clearly has other desires, and Wake Forest is really just, you know... I don't know what Wake Forest deal is. Um, quite honestly, that's... It's not asexual, but they're not going to be in a relationship. It's just not how. <laughs> just not how Lake they Forest, roll. I feel Lake like Forest just experiences things as they come. And, yeah, and that's like... a, yeah. I feel like I feel like Wake Forest is like book smart, maybe valedictorian, salutatorian in high school, and then uh, like presumably straight, and then they become Wake Forest and go through a very hardcore sapphic phase and then maybe become more <laughs> more pan oh it'll God. be a lot like uh ani defranco marrying or having a male partner i was phase. just gonna say this is this is a very um this is a very ani defranco um dar williams <laughs> kind of scenario happening here yeah, that's what I that's what I see Wake Forest in my mind. Yeah, uh, it's concerning. So I think that works. I think I'm I'm glad that we've introduced Wake Forest and Cal. I hope that they have um, <laughs> they can hit it off mutually beneficial, if not thrilling, years together. <laughs> that's, yeah, it was a, it was a mutually time. beneficial but not thrilling is probably the yeah. Oh, that's good for them. Um, and then I I have uh, games on 
my slate here too. Kill, were there any of, of your other games that you were particularly uh, agog going into this weekend? Oh, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't my game, but I mean, everybody was watching the Colorado Colorado State game. You know, it was very interesting. Sorry to steal yeah. Lily's. <laughs> I think that's Lily's, right? Well, he's not here, right? Um, so that was. I mean, you're perfectly. Uh, I was I was asking if there were any other games of yours for for next week that for you next were week. Can certainly, um, circle back to Colorado. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is is one of my teams playing them? No. I got Florida State, Clemson. Hope they both lose. Ohio State, Notre Dame. Hope they both lose. Kansas State, USF. I am interested Go, in Wildcat. In Auburn still because they haven't really played. Well, they played Cal, um, but they they're playing Texas A and M, so it's like that's something. I'm, and then the next few weeks are just like good luck. So, and I feel like we haven't really gotten to see what they can do so much yet. So I'll be in, be watching that with increasing interest. Chaos, uh, chaos <laughs> gathering. It feels like. <laughs> Oh boy, my other games this week are Cal Washington, so we got that too, and uh, and I've got the Pack Two game of the week, game of the season, the only the only game that matters this entire year, <laughs> Oregon State at Washington State. I hope that it goes all fucking night, and that there is a one point safety in overtime, so that people can understand how a team could end up with just one point that is um the most likely way for it to happen again we we will delve deeper into one point safeties as they come and we continue to hope that another one will grace us with its presence fingers crossed it's what we all deserve it is and i feel like there's no like the if the pac-12 is going out I feel like we are getting, for one thing, the teams are all playing, mostly playing amazing. Um, there are exceptions. Uh, Arizona State scoring zero points against Fresno would be. How how bad are they? Oh, are Arizona? Worse than Alabama? Yeah. Oh, yes. Worse than Alabama? Wow. That's bad. Alabama only had 15 first downs. Uh, yeah, I mean, Arizona State's problem is that they're just two-thirds of their roster is hurt. Like, I don't really know how – I don't think it would they would be great with everyone healthy, but legitimately, like, it's a – it's bad. Like, everybody is hurt. I don't – I think they're playing, like, second and third string on – nearly every position at this point it's not good going especially when you're going to start conference play in this uh extremely yeah conference but um, yeah it's not good it's it's gonna get it's it's bad and it's not gonna get better but what is good is the the football that we are getting from the dying throws of the pac-12 including this colorado colorado state game that keelan you brought it up and um 
in addition to Eli Drinkwitz, the worst game management. Yeah. <laughs> um, just no, it's not even game management. What? It's Chaos. So many things that Jay Norvell did. Um, first of all, don't don't start a trash talk war with Deion Sanders. Yeah. He's been doing this for 30 years, uh, professionally for 30 years. Like, you're not going to make this happen in a way that's good for you. No, and and fundamentally, Dan's a troll. He wants you to get mad about it. And he wants you to respond. The absolute best thing you can do is deprive him of oxygen and just don't acknowledge it or don't respond. But beyond all that, beyond the horrific strategies that, you know, resulted in let's play so ridiculously over the edge that there's, you know, just gift penalties all night for Colorado and, you know, the dirty play on Travis Hunter is another thing entirely. You get to overtime, regardless of that you've blown the lead to get there. And oh my goodness, it, if there was ever a time that a punter should have been a hero, shout out to the 6'5 Australian dude from, from Colorado State who absolutely, like, could not have placed it better, this running, rolling, wobbling duck of a punt, but that it seemed like he knew exactly what he was doing and pinned him at the two-yard line. Defense has to end that game. But even so, you're in overtime at Colorado, your rival. You know that you're huge underdogs and that your players have given it everything that they can. You have given them a touchdown very easily to start overtime. You score a touchdown. Now you have a chance to either kick a, kick the extra point and tie and go to another overtime. Or go win this fucking game. Right. Or die a hero try. Whatever. What the fuck? Like, yeah. it's just, it's betraying yourself. And everything that you were like, you know, you're talking all this big shit. And then you play to go to a second overtime? Right. No, nobody wants that. Come on now. You you have to believe that you can win or that you can convert on that and yeah. go home. Like I And if you don't, then fine. Like if you go for it and you and you lose, then you're still you still fundamentally went to overtime with a team that was favored by what two, three touchdowns. Like, yeah, you can. I mean, moral victories don't exist and blah blah blah. But you can still walk away from that feeling pretty good about it. Like, there's lots of things that you should and could do differently, but you can still ultimately walk away from it as, hey, we held our own with this team that was so heavily favored. Mm -hmm. But the just yeah, God. What it, it, felt it like was it was an incredible go big or go home moment and they biffed it. Mm -hmm. What it felt like to me was like Jay Norvell establishing himself as an NPC. Like, <laughs> yeah. If, if you're a real character, yeah. 
you're gonna do something there. But no, you're you're just the guy who like gave Dion some body blows and some tough talk, and that he just smushed easily on his way to the next. You're not gonna be right. a for him. Um, and that I think ultimately is why I come back to freaking Lane. Because for everything that there is that's series of red flags about Lane Kiffin, um, boy, he's always trying to win. Wow. We've reached that point in the podcast. Wow. It makes him an enjoyable character. He is enjoyable. I was always yeah. joking at first, and now I'm like, man, this this character arc is compelling. Didn't see it coming. Which is why I hope he gets that Bama job. We have come full circle. I hope they win this week and Nick quits and he just like goes, oh, oh, coach's office is empty. Cool. <laughs> right. I got dibs. <laughs> Don't mind me. Just going to put my feet up. <laughs> oh, God. I, I just. Now, th- this is this is part of why I think him getting the Bama job would be so funny. Is that he would absolutely end up fired. And. Mm-hmm. Bama would absolutely find a way to make it more embarrassing than when he got left on the tarmac. Like the the bar has been set that you know they're like, well, if we've got to fire the guy, like, come on, we've got to we've got to at least hold our own here. <laughs> so it's got to be just horrible, like just the worst scenario ever. Somehow, I like the idea of like. The Alabama Athletic Department, like reaching out to the Los Angeles Angels, like, <laughs> right? How do we, how do we do this in the loudest and just most burn everything, including ourselves, in the process down? Right, right. Show us the way, Los Angeles Angels. <laughs> right. If anyone could do it, it's you. wear red they have big a on their hat shohei otani doesn't play for them yeah not to totally change the subject but the otani thing that headline coming out is like he's cleared out his locker and then the team being like we're not saying anything about it was the most angel shit ever because the ultimate explanation was literally just like now he's hurt he's not we're not gonna have him it was like the it was the most and like in a mild way like it's an oblique thing like it's whatever this season's only gonna come more weeks like that's all the end of it it so did not need to be a headline and yet they they played it into being one that makes them look stupid so perfectly like i couldn't have scripted that better yeah it's it's incredible while at the same time, like decimating their own roster, arguing with Anthony Rendon Jeez. about whether he has a bruised leg or a broken leg. 
<laughs> like, like Anthony Rendon, who I don't think has actually wanted to play baseball in about five years at this point. Like, dude does not want to be there and has not for quite a while. That guy, I you know, fine. <laughs> go go ahead. Like, I think that that was, and that's right. That's ultimately the thing about Otani that is such a mystery to me. Anaheim is the place where you go if you're going there by choice. It's because you're going there to fuck off and not really have to care anymore. Right. You're going to ride out the twilight of your career and get overpaid. That's all you yeah. want. Who convinced Shohei just... Otani no. that like, they were really like Los Angeles? I, or I, have, I have been saying for like two or three years, I want... I want a 30 for 30 just on that decision-making process. Like just what did they say to convince this poor man that that was where he should go spend his time? Like he had every other team in creation bidding for his services and the Los Angeles angels are the ones that won. How, how, what was that argument? What was that sales pitch? I just, I have to know. I mean, Mike Trout and Mickey Mouse is all I can think. Right. Like, like I can only assume that he got, right. I can only assume that he got sold some very rosy picture of what they were going to do with the roster and something of like, oh, you know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to blow this time and we really really want to go for it now and and we'll get all the complimentary pieces we need for you to be able to do that that's the only thing i can assume but like isn't that what everybody says like i i i have a hard time imagining how that would be like a unique sales pitch i don't i think an interesting Side question is how did the Mariners biff it? Like, God, that too. No, I think the Mariners just didn't want to. I think they cheaped out, probably, if anything. Hmm. I don't know, man. It's uh are the Angels Texas AM? <laughs> are they AM or are they just Texas? Because I do feel like the the Texas back ethos is very angels. Where every every yeah. year, nope, this is the year we've gotten we've done X, Y, and Z to the roster. This is well, it, and then I think I think A and M is the angels because Texas is the Dodgers. They've got all the money and they've won it a couple of times, but you're never gonna fucking hear the end of it. Yeah, that's accurate. The the Dodgers get way way better PR than the. Um, than Texas does, though. The Dodgers somehow managed to avoid uh, all the flack for shitting the bed when it most matters repeatedly. Like they're the they're the Buffalo Bills, and yet all it, all I hear is how great they are and how impressive it is that they're on this run of however many um, you know playoff appearances and blah 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, okay, great, and they have what exactly to show for it. 
They they not won a, a whole fucking lot after a sixty game season. They won a championship right. in a barn. Right, like congratulations. Hmm. Like they're a very very good baseball team, but again, they're just I just I clearly am not unbiased here, but they're the fucking Buffalo Bills. I'm not caring about being biased at all. I I say, you know. I'm, I, we're not saying that the Giants are necessarily somebody good here. Um, there's there's somebody admirable to aspire to be out. At, like you can pick a shitty college football team that the Giants are an analog to as well. Sure, yeah. But the thing is, is that the 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 narrative around the Giants is accurate to what they are, broadly speaking. If anything, they get insufficient credit for the success that they did have during their peak in the previous uh, decade. Texas or the Dodgers are just Teflon somehow. And I don't entirely understand why, other than at some point, all the sports media decided they loved them for reasons that I'm not entirely certain of. I think it goes back to Doris Kearns Goodwin. And that entire (laughs) poisonous ethos that like the Dodgers are this like inviolable like little guy that always you know they fucked off to LA before any of us were born and we're old (laughs) right before my parents were born yeah and like this idea like I I can fight back against the idea that everybody in Brooklyn was Dodger fans because my family fucking wasn't it doesn't always work that way. I don't know. Um, the Dodgers get credit because they played in Brooklyn once, left, ended Jackie Robinson's career, basically. Like, sure, they signed him, but they also were the ones who were like, yeah, we're, we're not just going to trade you. We're going to trade you to the San Francisco Giants because we are moving and so are they. So go play for our rival on the other side of the country. He's like, fuck you, I'm going to go work for Chalk Full of Nuts. Right. Free coffee, baby. Free coffee. <laughs>